So we've been taking a look at some of the parables of Jesus, and last week we looked at a parable in which Jesus gave in response to a group of Christians. They had asked him a question, and the group of Christians were called Pharisees. And I explained that the Pharisees were part of the ruling class of Jews at the time, and they were strict observers of religious rules and, and laws and traditions. But I don't want to say that that makes them bad people. Because they certainly did not have bad intentions. They were honestly trying to be right with God. They were just going about it in the wrong way. And when you read through the gospel stories, Jesus seems to be debating the Pharisees often, but that's only because he had more in common with them than the other group of the ruling class of Jews, which were called the Sadducees. And so Jesus, he hung around the Pharisees more. He had friends that were Pharisees. When you read the Gospels, you see that he's going to dinners and banquets at Pharisees' homes. And it was a Pharisee that purchased the embalming oils for Jesus' body after he was crucified. He was buried in a Pharisee's tomb. A careful read of the book of Acts shows us that a number of Pharisees became members of the early Christian church. However, Jesus does use a Pharisee to make a point in the parable that we're going to look at today. And so we go to Luke chapter 18 verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Well, they were confident in their own righteousness. What does that mean, really? Well, there is a worldly standard of righteousness, and that is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. You know what the problem with worldly righteousness is, don't you? The worldly definition of what is morally right is subjective. It changes, perhaps from generation to generation, uh, maybe from one country to another, one community to another, one person to another. But when we speak of the righteousness that we find in the Bible, we're speaking of something different. We're speaking of something that never changes. And so biblical righteousness is the quality of being right in the eyes of God. Biblical righteousness never changes because God never changes. Biblical righteousness is based upon God's standard because God is our standard bearer. The prophet Isaiah said, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. Amen? Amen. Well, back to the parable. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a moment. Um, Chris, if you think I can read that back screen. It's like number two font. But anyway, we have a little cheat screen back there so I can see what I'm preaching about. It's, you don't want to lose your point. Okay, uh, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. 
Well, I spoke a little bit last week about how the religious people would often look down on those who, thank you, who didn't look, I just had my eyes checked and it just, they weren't that good. <laughs> I spoke a little bit last week about how religious people would often look down upon others who didn't live up to their standards. And that's exactly what's happening in this parable. There were some Jews of that day who were confident of their own righteousness. In other words, they were confident that they had done everything that they needed to do in order to be right with God. And that God was pleased with them. And I suppose in the world of religion and in the world of Christianity, there are those who have confidence in their own righteousness. I mean, there are people who are confident that they're okay with God because they have done a lot of good things in their life. And when those ancient Jews encountered people who obviously hadn't done the things that they had done, so they obviously couldn't be as well-liked in the eyes of God, they looked down on them and that's defined by a term we've probably all heard in our life. What is that term? Self? Yeah, self-righteous. Well, let's read about a self-righteous man. Luke 18.10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. We talked about them. Part of the ruling class. And one a tax collector. So tax collectors were often people from the local community who had contracted with the Roman government to collect the Roman tax, and they worked at a percentage, and often they would boost their percentage by levying a higher tax, and the tax collectors had Roman soldiers at their disposal, so they could pretty well collect what they wanted to, and Rome was a terrorist government, and so the tax collectors were seen as a traitor. By the way, Jesus had a tax collector amongst the twelve. Did you know that? He certainly did. Yes. Luke 18, we continue. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. So here we're given a picture of a self-righteous man. But there's something we should note about the self-righteous man. He was doing good stuff. He was a man of prayer, we assume, because he fasted. And he put God first in his finances. And it's been my observation that people who put God first in their finances tend to put God first in all parts of their lives. And so he was doing some good things. And when he compared himself to some other people, we could easily see that he was not an evil person. But he is showing us the great danger of self-righteousness. Self-righteous people condemn others. And they condemn their behaviors. They condemn their actions. And talk down about them. So what is the goal of the church? What is the goal of Jesus? Was it to condemn sinners? Oh, please, people. No, it was not. Jesus said this. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. 
And so Jesus' goal is not to condemn. Jesus' goal is to save the world from the power of sin. And so let us always keep in mind that we are in no position to condemn others. That doesn't mean that we have to accept or condone their behaviors. It just means that we're in no position to condemn them. And we know that we're in no position to condemn because we know this passage of Scripture. All have sinned. If you've sinned, say amen. 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 All have sinned and fall short. Some of y'all said that pretty heartily. Amen. Amen. You're going to go big. Go big. Okay. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, something else we should note about this Pharisee, he was patting himself on the back for all the good things that he did. And self-righteous people like to be praised for the good things that they have done. They like to, to go around and be praised for all that they've done for the church or, or for their community. And, and they act as if somehow God is more pleased with them than with other people for what they've done. Well, he's not. We're told in Ephesians, it is by grace that you have been saved. Saved from what, friends? From the power of sin, from hell. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. So humble Christians do not boast about the works that they have done. What do humble Christians boast about? Amen. Always a good answer. Indeed. Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Galatia. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Pharisee in the parable saw himself as important to God, more important to God than others. He figured I'm doing good so God's got to be happy with me. But what God desires from us is the same characteristic that Jesus displayed, and that's humility. The brother of Jesus wrote this, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, and he said, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe, yourself, <clears throat> clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, back to the parable. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, that man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So he went home justified. And justified like righteousness is being right in the eyes of God. And it doesn't come with what we've accomplished. In Romans 3 we read, Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So being right with God is not about us. And it's not about what we've done or what we do. It's about Jesus and about what Jesus has done for us. Psalm 20 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And if that was to be written today, it might say, uh, Some trust in what they've done and their accomplishments and their achievements, but we trust in the name 
of the Lord. Well, let's return to that passage from Romans 3. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so there's really no difference between the people who have been working in the church for 50 years and the people that are taking their first steps of faith. And all are justified freely by His grace through redemption that comes through by Christ Jesus. And so as we prepare to share this communion table today, what we need to know is that heaven, eternal life, glory in the presence of God is a free gift. We do not earn it. We do not deserve it. We accept it by faith in Jesus. And that's what this meal should remind us of. It should remind us of the grace of God. It should remind us of a grace that was given to us on the cross 2,000 years ago. But it's a grace that's given to us each and every day. It's a grace that's offered you today as you come forward for communion.